and welcome listeners to a new year's edition welcome back edition we're here rva dirt's municipal mania oh this is so apt mania 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 the mania (laughs) continues into 2022 yes hello folks heard you guys haven't heard from us in a while so you probably think we're rusty but we not okay <laughs> heard on WRIRLP 97.3 Richmond Independent Radio at 11 o'clock here we are on Wednesdays oh my god finally we have a new episode finally really excited been a long time um yes. and uh what better way to kick things off than with an esteemed guest a a member of the million timers club we're very lax on getting that blazer out to you, but one day it'll get there. Uh, <laughs> right now, we're just working on, you know, uh, surviving the uh, COVID. And um, I, I don't know if you're talking. We have two esteemed guests that are on today. We do? Um, we've got one that's with us. And the other one is uh, your beautiful hair. That oh, what? <laughs> yeah. that's right right. i have hair y'all like you can't see it in radio land but i legitimately have about an inch and a half of hair uh for the first time in a year so yeah almost a year so and i put on eyebrows for y'all today so um i hope that our other guest feels really special um knowing that i put actual like i put fur on my face I mean, that's wig. what it looks like. <laughs> the, look, eyebrow technology is a beautiful thing, but let's cut to uh, the chase. We've got a lot of things to pack into this half an hour yes. and I'm timing it. So, um, all right, let's let our guest introduce himself and we'll roll on with the questions. Hey, I'm LeVar Stone, the mayor of Richmond. I'm glad to be back with RVA Dirt. And I got to say, Melissa, I love your hair and I love your nails as well. I'm feeling all of it. I'm feeling oh, all of it. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I'm feeling so, all of it. Thank and Fran, you. I love you too. You know that. I, it's okay. It's her moment. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> look self-care is a great way to get through trying times and so between covid and cancer i've learned to take care of myself along with fran's help (laughs) we're getting you know what i think a lot of us need to learn that lesson to take care of ourselves i think we kind of run the rat race daily hourly and we forget to take care of numero uno and that Mm -hmm. is number one that's you and uh, I think it's one thing that we've learned during this pandemic is you got to take care of home. You got to take care of yourself. And so it's my hope that people are out there doing that. I sure hope so. But that that, I guess, is a perfect segue right into our opening point. Let's talk about, you know, what has been which has been a, a lot. Right. We're still actively in the pandemic, yeah. panda bear, panorama, pandemonium. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't you be a Let's just talk about what the city's response has been to COVID and how we're still managing this process um, that's ongoing. Well, that's right. Uh, 2022 is uh, very similar to 2021. Um, in 2021, we thought that, you know, at least mid-year, we thought that we would be leaving COVID behind and come to find out Delta came along. And then after Delta came Omicron. And so we begin 2022 in a surge. We, this, this is still a surge of the unvaccinated. And I say that because uh, if you're unvaccinated, you're 17 times more likely to be hospitalized and die. Message. And my whole thing is 
Uh, some folks, uh, you're just saying, no one likes being, uh, getting a shot or, or some people don't like needles. But I, I know one thing I, I dislike more is I don't want to die. I dislike death a whole lot more than a needle. That part. And, <laughs> that should wake all of us up. And we've lost, uh, you know, a, a few hundred people here in Richmond because of COVID-19. And there are lessons to be learned for, uh, uh, from the last 2021 and 2020 is that we got to take care of ourselves. And that means we got to roll up our sleeves uh, and get vaccinated right now. Uh, at least 60% of Richmonders have received at least one shot of the primary series. Now, I was asked, how do I feel about those numbers? Well, I think those numbers are disappointing. We, it's been over a year now that the vaccine has been available to individuals and uh, only 60% have chosen to get at least one shot. I am, I've got the full primary series and I've got the booster. Uh, so, and we all know that Omicron is more transmissible, which means even if you have the three shots, you can still transmit this. But however, the difference is with you only have minor symptoms while you will be at the risk of death mm-hmm. if you are unvaccinated. So we continue to work with the Richmond uh, and Henrico Health District and testing. And, you know, there's been testing shortages all across the country. Richmond uh, has not been immune to that as well. So we've seen that when we've seen an uptick in folks wanting to get tested. We've seen lines around the block. But also what comes with the surge is we see more and more people get vaccinated uh, as well. At the end of the day, uh, I can't say we're going to return to normal, but we have an opportunity to reclaim our lives. Right. And we started doing a lot of that in 2021. Festivals and and, uh, festivals and parades came back. We saw businesses open, new businesses open, restaurants open again. But it can quickly go right back to 2020. If we don't uh, do our part, and I think that part is rolling your sleeves and getting a shot or educating someone who's unvaccinated that they need to also take this upon themselves and maybe learn a little bit about what this vaccine can do for them and hopefully save their lives. I agree. One of the, I don't like to say like positive, happy things um, that have come out of COVID, but one of the things that has happened because of is that GRTC is fare free currently. Mm and is going to be through the rest of your term and hopefully beyond. Can we talk a little bit about that and how can we keep it fair? Well, you know, uh, that was a a commitment, uh, a campaign promise that I made uh, in 2020 uh, that that GRTC would be fair free. Uh, We were the, I believe the first locality in the Commonwealth of Virginia to offer fair free uh, transit in the whole entire state. And the fact that we're moving forward with it to be a mainstay for years to come just shows you that we are still committed to equity uh, here in, in Richmond. And transit, I think, is uh, essential. Not everyone here in the city of Richmond has a car. And so the ability to jump on GRTC and get to their job or get to an activity for a, a child, is it's a game changer. Uh, now, the issue that we're having at GRTC right now is staffing shortages. Everywhere. We all are experiencing the great resignation. And so we're having a hard time attracting mechanics and bus operators uh, to come work for GRTC. And so if you're listening to this right now, and if you're thinking about leaving your one job for a new job, consider GRTC, because the more people that we have uh, available via staff, 
uh, the more routes that we can get back online and get people to their uh, desired destination as quickly as possible. I agree. I agree. Right along with um, that topic, what's in store for us for infrastructure um, this year in terms of improvements? That's always a, a hot topic. Um, always to a hot topic in Richmond because Richmond's one of the oldest cities in the, in the Commonwealth or heck on the East Coast as well. And how tired of you this, hearing about, sorry to interrupt, but how tired of you are you of hearing about potholes? Like, well, you know, if you're a mayor, you live with the, the, the dream of potholes popping in your head each and every night. Um, this is one of the, the small dreams that I have uh, <laughs> about potholes. But here's the I thing. Hear. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot to a lot of good to report when it comes to paving and, and infrastructure and potholes. I made a commitment to put more funding behind infrastructure uh, over the course of the last two years. And sure enough, more money that we pumped into uh, paving has reduced the amount of pothole reports reported through 311. And it's not a surprise, right? It's a cause and effect. You put more money and more investment into paving streets and neighborhoods, you're going to see less potholes. Uh, and, and potholes have always been a Band-Aid for Richmond. And so we're doing less pothole repairs because the pay, the roads are now more paved and we're going to do even more uh, as well. And when the, uh, when the, the months warm up, it's hard to do that during the winter months. So as we get into the spring, the summer, Bobby Vincent, who's the head of the department of public works has a plan to get to more and more neighborhoods here in 2022. And that will also include alleys and sidewalks as well. I've taken uh, upon myself and, and, and I want us to be a whole lot more proud about uh, how our city looks and uh, how our city looks also depends upon the infrastructure that resides in some of these neighborhoods as well. So we're seeing places that have not been paved in 40 or 50 years now are getting paving uh, here in the city. Thank goodness. And I want to say a personal thank you um, from Highland Park. <laughs> really appreciate the newly paved roads. And they're, they're done pretty well, I have to say. And I believe in uh, Highland Park, you also have Got new sidewalks with the the uh, the, the in cuts, right? As well, we do. We have new ADA compliant uh, curbs. Uh, so, yeah. So, thanks so much for that. And um, we are doing that equitable because you know, at times, places like Highland Park were ignored in the past. Places like Davy Gardens were ignored in the past in Southside. Places that have been ignored are now getting their due investment. And can I say, add add to that. I thought 2021 was our year to sort of plant seeds because we were in the midst of a recovery and uh, we were we were lucky, uh, blessed to receive one hundred and fifty five million dollars from the federal government via uh, the American Rescue Plan Act. And we're going to use half of those dollars focused on community centers and parks, uh, particularly in areas that were once redlined. So the East End and South Side, we're going to build a new community center uh, in, East End, in the East End in Churchill at Luxfield, a new community center in Southside uh, at, um, at T.B. Smith um, near Davie Gardens. We're going uh, to take over the Calhoun Center in Gilpin and renovate that and the pool. And we're going to finish our work at the Southside Community Center as well. And you're going to see new parks and green space in these areas as well. So uh, I think we've done this in an equitable approach with an equitable pros or equitable I, and it's going to provide a lot of opportunities for people who have been long ignored, neglected in Richmond. Yes. And that's a, an important piece. Um, one of the things I think 
no city will ever have a lack of needs, right? There's always going to be a long, long laundry list of things um, that need to happen. And I think the piece that um, folks commonly forget is that in order to do a lot of those things, you need economic development, you need to generate funding, you need lots of different things. And so I know one of those things that's been on your list that you've been trying to work on and trying to, there's lots of different projects and we'll, we'll touch on a couple of them in a second. Let's talk about affordable housing for a second and yes. what the city has been trying to do. We've had some hiccups there. We've had some successes there. Let's talk about, that's another piece. That's well, affordable housing, Fran, is at the top of my uh, list of priorities uh, for the remainder of my term. I got three years, so if you include 2022, 2022, 2023, 2024, and uh, if there's anything that we've learned, a lesson we've learned from the we have a shortage of housing for all income levels, right? That's why people are calling from New York or DC and are scooping up homes sight unseen. Yeah. So if folks are scooping up homes sight unseen, think about how, how difficult it is for a person who works as the janitor to find a good stable, good stable living right here in the city of Richmond. So what we did was we used some of those ARPA dollars, $10 million, uh, uh, we put $10 million in the Affordable Housing Trust Fund uh, for, for this year, uh, for next year as well. And by the time I'm done here, we will have put $40 million, new dollars, in the Affordable Housing Trust Fund. That is a record amount, an historic amount. And this uh, fund will be used for housing services, which also includes homelessness as well, and also will be used as an incentive uh, to help uh, developers uh, uh, those in the private sector build more affordable housing. Here's the thing. Just because it says affordable housing doesn't mean that the cost to build the housing changes. Correct. That the cost remains the same. And yeah. at times, some of these units will cost upwards to $300,000. Yet the return in terms of how much the person will pay in rent will be reduced because it's supposed to be affordable housing. But right. the cost of the private sector is the same. That's where government can step in and incentivize them to build more. But also, if you want to build more affordable housing in Richmond, we have to lean into density. And the Richmond 300 has given us the pathway forward in areas where we need to upzone, right? Upzone. And I think uh, there's some areas around the city that need more density, and also they need the missing middle as well. Triplexes, duplexes, things of that nature. We just can't have single-family homes. And we just can't have multifamily housing as well. We got to focus on that missing middle too and get more people into quality homes. And can, and can I say, you know, if we, we focus more on affordable housing, we will find less and less people depending upon places like Grace Place in downtown or Southwood, which the conditions have been substandard until the city has stepped in. And also thanks to uh, organizations like New Virginia Majority as well for highlighting this, have stepped in and said like these areas, these places are substandard. The thing is, there are so many other places around the city where people are living in substandard housing and they're not saying a word because you know what? Why would I risk getting thrown out of this place that costs $900 a month? So I'm going to shut my mouth and I'm going to live with the rodents and I'm going to live with the roaches. 
it's still wrong. It's still wrong. So you're going to see from the city a more muscular approach to those landlords who don't do their part and provide dignified housing to our residents. Speaking of helping our residents thrive, it's been a year since the guaranteed income pilot uh, came out. Uh, Can you give us a little update? Explain a little bit what it is and then give us an update about where it is a year later. Well, you know, I signed on uh, to a, a commitment with 24, I believe, other mayors from around the country, mayors for guaranteed income. Uh, and this is born out of the um, approach that my good friend, the former mayor of Stockton, California, Michael Tubbs, uh, took to combating poverty. And that is in guaranteed income for residents who are living on the cliff. Now, uh, we have uh, starting in 2022, starting this year, we are going to upscale up to 50 families that will receive $500 a month. Uh, and these are families that are working. These are families that uh, these are places families that have kids as well, uh, and they also participate in the Office of Community Wealth Building. These folks just don't qualify for uh, financial benefits from the federal government, financial assistance, and so this is where we're stepping in and say we're going to provide you five hundred dollars a month. And the stories that we've heard from those who work at the Department of Public Works, those who work as teacher aides, who said this has been a game changer for them now. There's no fear, no panic when they're driving and a, a, a tire blows out. And normally that means, oh man, I might be out for the whole week because I can't afford that. But now with these $500 a month payments, it gives them some peace of mind and the ability to you know, uh, take a step back and maybe give back to their community. I talked to one gentleman who was like, now uh, instead of working multiple shifts, I can now give back to what I love, that's to these young people and be a football coach and and not take on working 80 hours a week. That's the sort of uh, work that we want to focus on. And it's a part of our economic mobility strategy. We believe opportunity with an equitable lens equals economic mobility, the ability for our residents to rise up the economic ladder to success. What are you eating, Fran? Are you seriously eating? (laughs) A maple bacon donut. Oh, well, okay, then that's 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 breakfast or lunch. That is breakfast. So what had happened was everybody in the office was a little cranky. So I went and ordered donuts from Sugar Shack and they showed up, but I didn't want to miss my maple bacon donuts. I had to go get it right then. I go get it. That's important. Okay, so I guess you can uh, interrupt an interview with the mayor to get that maple bacon. I need to go get my bacon. Okay. yeah, I'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In in line with that, while we're talking, economic development drives all of these things that we're talking about. Right. What have you learned from some of the losses that we've had with Navy Hill, the casino referendum? You know what? Richmond seems to be sometimes maybe a little unclear about what they want in terms of economic development, but we haven't had, we haven't found that sweet spot. What, what do you think Richmond will say yes to? I'm glad you said, Fran, unclear, because you're right. I think there might be a lack of clarity a little bit. And I think sometimes Richmonders are looking for perfection. But as you all know, there is no perf- the perfect project. There's nothing perfect out there. Uh, My grandma always said there was only one perfect thing, one perfect person ever. And And you know what happened to him. And he (laughs) got on the cross. And so I always am reminded of that uh, each time that we move forward on economic development fronts. And here's the thing. We just talked about affordable housing. Uh, We just talked about infrastructure. 
And I think sometimes our residents forget that this costs money. And in order to actually make these things happen, you're not going to have the federal government pouring millions of dollars in here all the time. So you have to create the revenue for yourself. And as you all know, Richmond is landlocked, right? And we are the home uh, to state government too. So they occupy a lot of our land. So we have to first grow, grow up, literally. We have to uh, you know, build up density. So we have to densify our city. And also we have to use the areas that the city actually owns, the land that the city owns. We own the area right next to Arthur Ashe Boulevard. We own a lot of parcels down in downtown. Uh, we own this old arena, you know, that uh, Richmond Coliseum. We have to turn these liabilities into assets moving forward. And so uh, whether it was Navy Hill, Navy Hill, I set that aside because Navy Hill was politics. It was on a city council's plate. And my opponent used it as a way to enter the race for, for mayor in 2020. And you know what happened to her. Uh, so, uh, but I think the people, I hear it all the time, said, you know, I wish we had the arena in downtown Richmond. Instead, it's going to be in Henrico. The casino, man, the casino uh, was a missed opportunity. I was quite disappointed, but I, I you know, I recognize that, um, you know, the people had their say, but there are a lot of people still in need uh, in parts of Southside Richmond. Uh, they, and, and, and I hear rumors that it might, the city council might be entertaining it a, a comeback. Uh, obviously, I'm going to give it a, a serious uh, ear because at the end of the day, there are a number of residents of mine who uh, this would have been the real ticket to them, no pun intended, to uh, advancement to the middle class. And that's what I'm working. That's what I care about the most. We have opportunities at the Diamond District that we released a request for interest with and also with the city center that's coming sometime this year. I had a moment. Just a moment, Fran and Melissa, that I thought, should I stop focusing on economic growth here in Richmond or should I move forward? And I decided to move forward because it would be a dereliction of duty if, as the mayor, I didn't pursue opportunities for our city. Right. It would be a dereliction of duty. So uh, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do what I think is, is responsible. And we're going to get the right project for the city of Richmond, whether it's in the Diamond District or downtown in city center. I'm optimistic and I'm bullish about what could happen in 2022. So economic development helps to fund things like, you know, the subjects that we were talking about at last night's city council, like the, you know, heritage campus at the at Devil's Half Acre and the, you know, slavery museum. They got a little bit of funding last night, but clearly they need more. You know, funding was also talked about when it comes to the gift of the Lee Circle. What's going to be done with that? Should we spend money on that? What are your thoughts on these subjects, too, and, and the importance of, of getting funding for things like the, the Heritage Campus? Well, the, you, you just highlighted two, uh, I believe, historic bookends uh, here in Richmond. You got Monument Avenue on one end, and you got um, Shaco Bottom, the Devil's Half Acre, on the other end. And I, I think it's the job of city government to ensure that one of these, particularly Monument Avenue, cannot advance ahead of what the work we need to do in Chaco Bottom, which has been neglected in the past. And so uh, I think there's a pathway forward. You saw that we put $300,000. We seeded the new uh, nonprofit or foundation that will focus on 
raising dollars for a slave uh, history museum in Chaco Bottom. This will be hopefully an anchor of the uh, slave heritage campus in Chaco Bottom. We're gonna begin with history and then history will lead to economic development in parts of Chaco Bottom. Uh, you saw that we received the, I guess you could say the gift of the Lee Monument and the pedestal that will be, uh, this work will be administered by uh, the Black History Museum and also by the Valentine Museum. They will be trusted, uh, entrusted with not only uh, the, Lee, the Lee statue and the pedestal, but all the pedestals and statues moving forward. It takes the politics out of this and it puts subject matter experts uh, to use right here in the city of Richmond. And here's the thing, for all those who are in Jackson Ward who think that that Stonewall Jackson is going to show up in Jackson Ward because the Black History Museum is there. That's not going to happen. They are just entrusted with this to handle the work. You are not going to see these statues re-erected in places like Jackson Ward. So it does take funding to make these things happen. Uh, and um, I'm optimistic about uh, our current approach. Uh, and I think that um, hopefully by the time I leave here as mayor, that we have an idea uh, and a plan for uh, how the future of Chaco Bottom will look, but also how Monument Avenue will look as well. With that being said, George Wyth is also an open- Question? Yeah, thing <laughs> going on right now. Wound? Yeah. Yeah, um, George Wyth is an open question, Fran, and it, it, that paper currently resides with the city council, right? Uh, the, the school board has requested monies uh, to fund their architectural design. <laughs> but the funny thing is that the school board ended up doing a prototype anyway, and I had already initiated, the administration initiated the process back in April. Imagine how far we would have, how far we would be right now if we all worked together back in April when we initiated the process, we would be almost near, we would already selected someone by now. We could be putting shovels in the ground to get this thing done by 2024, right. the end of 2024. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I think I truly have some misgivings about uh, providing dollars to the school board uh, to a project that uh, will open over-enrolled, overcrowded on day one. Yeah. Now, my whole thing is, uh, it is difficult. People, I've heard arguments say, oh, oh 2,000 students, it's so hard for a, a child to learn in a school with 2,000 kids. Well, they're doing it in Prince William County, and they're doing it in, in, um, in Fairfax. They're doing it in Virginia Beach and places like that. They got high schools that are 2,000 kids in there. But you know what's hard for where it's hard to learn for a child? When the school is overcrowded on day one. And I remind you who these kids are. They are Latino and Black. Latino yes. and Black. Yes. And no one is standing up and saying, if the school is going to open on, on, on day one overcrowded, should that be a problem? Is that something wrong with that? So I have some misgivings. I hope the school board answers the questions, which I guess the last meeting, they, they didn't respond to the council's request. Nope. And so I am really um, <clears throat> disappointed in the school board, obviously, uh, because I think they've been focused on bricks. We need to be focused on books. Message. Our kids can't read right now, 35% proficiency. They can't do math. That's a problem. And that's in their domain. And instead, they're focusing on, they want to get in, they want to do infrastructure mm -hmm. when they could be focusing on making sure our kids are uh, proficient in math and reading. They got to get it together. Focus on reading, 
and think, focus on making sure our kids graduate from high school. Yeah, and it's a, it's a lot of politics involved, and it's unfortunate because one of the main reasons that it's come up so much, well, we think that we could do a better job saving money, but look at the money that's been wasted by this back and forth. It's, it's interesting. I, I think they've already added a million dollars extra to their budget to hire individuals in procurement and construction <laughs> to handle this project. Now, in this time where, you know, schools is the number one issue, education is the number one issue across the country, couldn't we have used that million dollars to go back into the classroom? I mean. And the silence from, you know, organizations like REA, it's just, it's deafening. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we find a resolution to it. My door is always open to work with the school board. Like I said, back in 2016, parents said they wanted a mayor that works with the schools. Mm-hmm. My door remains open. The school board doesn't want to work with me. And there you go. Well, maybe they, they elected new leadership last night. Um, and I'm not optimistic that this, is, yeah. this new leadership will be allies of this administration. But I've been proven wrong in the past. But and I hope I'm proven wrong again. There's always that opportunity, right? Like you said, always the doors open. There's doors always open. the opportunity. I'm looking forward to hearing from them, but I'm not optimistic. Well, this will be our last question for you. And we'll send you on your way because I know you got a lot to do. This is your midway check-in. Like, what goals have you smashed out of the park so far? Like, what, you, what are you most proud of? And also, what do you have coming up? Because, like, this is it, you know? That's right. What's this your is legacy going to be, man? You know, the other day I was down in um, Southside with Reva Trammell in the 8th District, and um, people were already starting saying, oh, Mayor, you should run again, run again. And I said, I can't run again. And I was a audible, What? I was like, no, I, I'm done after this, y'all. This is my last term. Uh, but it was encouraging to hear that folks wanted me to do it again. And this is uh, year two. So I still have three more years, not necessarily the halfway point yet. Uh, and I've got to say, some of my goals have been interrupted by COVID-19 a little bit, right? I mean, but you have to adapt. And we are asking our children to adapt, our families to adapt. And this administration is going to adapt as well. So my goals remain a focus on affordable housing. Focus on how we can transform areas like the Arthur Ashe, areas around Arthur Ashe, Diamond District, uh, transform downtown. And how we go about transforming some of these public housing communities as well, using the same tools that we're going to use potentially with, with the Diamond District and City Center. Why not apply those tools to use to build quality communities where public housing stands today? That's something I really, really want to, you know, sick my teeth into uh, in the last couple of years. It's going to be hard. I know it is. No one likes change. But I think one thing that's holding this city back is the fact that we still have one of the highest concentrations of public housing on the East Coast. And we can be proud of all the lists that we rise, that, 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 that highlight Richmond as you know, we continue to rise as a community. But we're never going to get to um, our zenith if we continue to 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 allow housing that is substandard for a high percentage of our residents. So that is going to that's unfinished work that I think that we got to start and finish uh, here uh, in my remaining uh, term as mayor of the great city. of Richmond. Any last comments you want to add? We'll give you. The well, I, I think this uh, as I s- spoke to other uh, outlets about, I think this last year was 2021 was a year we planted some seeds. This year is the year that we're going to see those seeds sprout and grow. 
And so I want folks to, to, to hold on tight because you're going to see uh, Richmond continue to change and transform over the course of the next three years. And we're going to need the community uh, by our side uh, to make this thing happen. So uh, I look forward to coming back uh, and hanging out with RVA Dirt in the future if y'all will have me back. Yes, yes. We greatly appreciate the, the hard work and the dedication to so many things that are in the works. I think people get very accustomed to hearing what's not happening or what is not happening fast enough for them, but we forget to reflect on all the things that happen in the background or the things that happen very quietly that move the ticker along a bit. And so it's important that we discuss those things and talk about those things as well. Thank you so much, Fran. I think folks don't realize sometimes, Fran, they don't realize that you be like, oh, you said you'd be the education mayor. Oh, I feel like I've been the education mayor, but I got to be the everything mayor as yeah. well. You know, we have to be diverse in our, our efforts. You know, we just can't focus on one thing. Uh, when you're a mayor, you got to focus on many things. And sometimes they are things that go are that are unplanned yeah. or unknown at the moment yeah. that just pop up, i.e. COVID-19. Yes. Right. And shout out to your administration and everybody working behind the scenes and in City Hall to keep the city going during COVID and all of this, people don't think about them or, you know, cause you're the face, right? You and council, right. you're the face. Um, so and can I say thank of. you to them as well? Real yes. quick, Melissa, I want to thank uh, the 3000 plus employees of the great city of Richmond who worked through the pandemic are working today. Um, who are, who are the hardest, I think, working uh, public employees uh, in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, we would not be where we are here in 2022 if it wasn't for their hard work. A lot of times behind the scenes, a lot of times anonymous and unknown. So thank you for your, your dedication to the city. Absolutely. Yep. 100%. Well, we thank you for coming on. We appreciate you so much. And we look forward to seeing the rest of what you have in store for our great city. Stay tuned to the State of the City this month. That's it. That's it. All Bye. right. Thank you so much. Thank Take you. Take care. Oh my God, we're back again. All right. So, you know, a little update since we've been missing for a while, you know, um, it's been a lot going on. Um, the COVID and the cancer were trying to get us. I swear. But we survived, right? Yeah. Um, I took on a new job during COVID, which is interesting and been exciting because um, I'm always service oriented. And so now I'm getting to do that even that much more and um, helping uh, the elderly community um, in Richmond. I actually work on the corporate side, so we're all over the country now, but I love that. I had the COVID and the flu at the same time. So Florona, just in time for it Christmas. It does exist. It does. I had it at Christmas time and I was, ugh. Yeah, it was a mess. But updates on on what's going on. My husband is is stable for the most part. He's good. For those of you guys that don't know, my husband has a terminal brain cancer. And, um, you know, we're making it. We're roughing it out. So in this time of like COVID and, you know, stuff is going on, um, we're still managing to find a way to get out and do a little bit. But um, yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting change to all of our lives and ours particularly as well, but we're live. We live. <laughs> oh, I haven't heard Coop say that in a long time. We live. 
Oh, we not. <laughs> yeah, so we are alive. Yay. Um, I actually haven't given anybody any updates on my cancer um nope. um <laughs> in six months because um so I take you back a little bit. At the end of July, I had my bilateral mastectomy, and that for lack of a of better terms, rocked my nope. world. Like um it uh, put me out of commission mentally for a little while because it's such a huge change to my body. And I had done so well through like really intense cancer treatments this whole time to not do so well um, after that and discover like all kinds of weird phobias and triggers and new anxieties that I'd never um, experienced before. Uh, so yeah, I had a whole lot of uh introspection and self-care time this you know this entire past six months i mean i've still been working doing my various things like uh being the president of this fine radio station you know i, I still tried to maintain some semblance of normalcy uh while wrapping my head around <laughs> while my dogs interrupt as usual uh -huh. Uh, I was still working during this whole time of like trying to wrap my brain around um, feeling like I look like a potato, um, but also knowing that in, you know, a matter of months, I'm not going to look like this anymore. I'm going to have my body back. You know, it's a lot to deal with. But my last radiation uh, was on October 22nd. And so the last thing I've got to do is my reconstructive surgery where I get my implants and my perfect tits and my reward. Uh, for going through all of this that happens in April yes. and then I can go back to my life uh, hopefully but I mean through all of this I've been working and trying to sort out what it is to be a cancer patient for the rest of my life because you are you are once you are you just are and that I don't want that to become part of my persona um, just kind of a, a thing that happened to me is where um, I'm trying to get myself so I'm really, uh, I am positive about 2022. I am hoping upon hope that I get, you know, uh, that cancer free diagnosis and other positive, wonderful things will happen. Right. Like, don't we all deserve that after, after everything we've been through? We deserve a vacation, a vacation from this life, um, from, from everything that's been going on. I really um, am hopeful that even though, you know, a lot of 2020 and 2021 are bleeding into this year, that maybe we've learned some things. Um, maybe some folks will be more open to accepting things like science. Um, <laughs> and we can all work on getting better together. There we go. Well, that's the process. Yeah, because we are better together, right? Yes. It's the only way we can make good, positive, permanent change. All right. Well, I'll say goodbye from my pack of wild dogs um, behind me who clearly don't want me to be recording anymore. Um, but we're really excited to be back. Uh, we're going to have a whole bunch of new shows coming up for you on a wide range of topics. Yes. No more hiatus. We're done. We're happy to be back on the airwaves and on your favorite pod platform. Yes. So, all right, you guys. Well, we love you. We hope you love us. If you don't, that's okay. It ain't going to change nothing. That's okay. We appreciate um, a rage listener now and again. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is.
But go out there and uh, be somebody. Help a friend. But wear your mask. Wear your mask. Check on your friends while yeah. wearing your mask. And, yeah. and remaining six feet away, please. Thank you. And don't give them COVID. No. Or the flu. All right, guys. As always, you guys, we appreciate you guys listening to us today. Flint still has dirty water. Now New Jersey does too. And I'm pretty sure Petersburg probably does as well. So we need to keep that going. Take care of yourself and your neighbor because that's how we stay healthy. And the monuments might be gone. We might be somewhere with that whole process, but Richmond is most certainly still racist, but we're working on it day by day. Put your hands up, 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 put your h